Hi, I'm Steve Duke, and this is the Two Roads Podcast. On this podcast, I have conversations with people who've had really fascinating career and life paths. I talk to them about their job, what they do, how they find meaning in their work, and I get their thoughts on how to make life choices that have brought them happiness and hopefully can bring you happiness and fulfillment in what you do as well. Today on the show, I had a guy called Marcus Alberg. And this guy has a genuinely fascinating journey. He is currently living in London and training to become a therapist, but his career started far from there. He grew up in Venezuela before moving to Gothenburg to study business. He then took a job at Google way back in 2007, you know, almost before it was cool to work at Google. He left Google, completed a master's at LSE and worked for five and a half years in investment banking until he completely burned out and he went through a really difficult period at that point that put a real strain on himself and to be honest like his relationships as well and we talk about that during the conversation at this point he knew that he needed to make a change he had this thing inside him that was driving him to do something different and so he walked into his boss's office in the investment bank and he quit without knowing what he was going to do next he then started the next chapter of his life. He went traveling in South America with his partner. He moved to London. He started a mental health app, which we talk a lot about. And now he's actually training to become a therapist. He is incredibly open about how hard it is to figure out what to do in life and the battles that he has faced along the way. We talk about his family and how he feels about welcoming his first kid into the world in the coming weeks. And we cover a lot. It's a very wide-ranging chat that I have with Marcus. And I really hope that you enjoy the conversation just as much as I did. So let's get into it. Marcus, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? What I wanted to be when I was when I grew up was I just wanted to be just like my dad. And my dad was um, working for the Swedish company called Electrolux. They sell vacuum cleaners and like other appliances like that. Um, we were, um, I, I guess, yeah, I've lived most of my life abroad. Uh, and I was born in Venezuela and lived there for my first 10 years. And it was at, at that time that my dad was working for Electrolux. And I don't ever really remember making that decision, but I just, um, I think that's, I, I looked up to my dad and um, I wanted to be like him. I wanted to wear a, like a, a dark suit and a white shirt and like wear a tie and go to work all day and then come back. And um, so that I was going to be a business business person uh, and hopefully, you know, get to uh, like fly around and like do cool things. Not that I, I don't think my dad did that. <laughs> he definitely wore a suit, but I don't know if he like flew around and did cool things, but I don't think I knew what he actually did. But I, I think my conception of like career options or like what you could be when you grew up was was quite kind of limited uh to um uh to a few to items and and my dad being i guess my, my idol and a hero was then i was just gonna do whatever he did and uh we had like a, a great life growing up so i imagine it's like okay i'll just replicate that and did you did you pursue that is that the course that you went down trying to be a quote-unquote businessman um more or less yeah i mean i um having you know as i was growing up and living in different countries but but my family like both my parents are actually swedish um 
I moved back to Sweden when I turned 19 for the, for like, yeah, for like really my first time to begin university. And then I had applied to a couple of different universities in Sweden and, but they'd all been like business related. Um, I don't, I guess it's different in different countries, but in Sweden, like most, you kind of pick your, like a very specific career when you, when you pick a university and it's not like kind of like a general, like in the UK, I know you can study like philosophy and politics and economics or in the UK, in the US, you have a lot of like liberal arts, um, education. That's not something really that you have in Sweden. So I moved to, moved to Sweden's second biggest city, Gothenburg, and I started studying, um, um, business with a specialization in Chinese to begin with. Um, yeah, with the goal of becoming a business person. Uh, and then probably working in, in China because I was like up and coming in 2007. Mm, mm, that was very prescient of you. Um, and then what was your first, what, what was your first job out of uni? So my first job at a uni- university was, um, I started working at Google uh, in Ireland, um, working in like sales and, and like customer support or, or like account management, um, super randomly. And I think this is like in a very strange way that I, get, I never really expected was that um, many of my career choices have been, I'd say, quite random. Like I'd like to see my, I think I see myself as someone who is quite structured uh, and who's like, you know, had ideas of like of these plans basically. Um, but then things always got in the way or like kind of opportunities came up and it felt like the right thing to kind of act on them. So for example, with Google, um, sounds like, you know, like a great employer. It's like a, an amazing opportunity that I had. And it was, but it wasn't really what I wanted to do. So I was back in, in university in Gothenburg. I was studying business and then i kind of majored in finance with the goal of um actually like starting to work at a at a like a management consulting or strategy consulting firm um and that didn't work out but i got this offer to um uh, it's even more strange than that like the um the the year before I graduated, I, a friend of mine who was working at Google, they were like hiring interns for things like, um, um, you know, for their summer internship. And it was like quite last minute. So she was like asking around her, like, her, like network to see if anyone was available. And I like, you know, raised my hand and like, that sounds like, like a great thing to do. Um, so, um, I applied and it was invited up for an interview, but the day before the interview and these interviews were going to be held in, in Dublin. Sorry, in Stockholm. Um, the day before the interview, they called and were like, "Hey, actually, we've already like found the intern, so we, you know, we don't have this internship intern position, but we'd love to hire you, like, interview you for a full time role instead." Uh, and I remember feeling like, "Oh, like I don't really like Google's not a management consulting company. Like that's that's not what I wanted." But I, I'd already made plans to see some friends in Stockholm, so I was like, "Okay, I'll just do the interview and like probably get some practice from that," and then. Um, I went to Stockholm, did the interview, got invited to the next interview, and then like, like multiple steps. And you know, all of a sudden, I was like, I had this offer in hand to begin working for Google in, in Ireland. It was like, not the country that I was hoping to work in and not the company that I was hoping to work in, not even like the industry, or, like what I wanted to do. But it's just at the moment, it's like, I don't feel like I can just say no to to Google. Like, that's crazy. Like, they're like, I think, number ranked number one in like employer uh, for um, 
I think like in, in most universities. So I was like, okay, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll do that. Um, turns out that was definitely not the job I wanted to do. I like I hate sales. Um, I don't, not particularly passionate about online marketing. Um, but Google itself was like an incredible, like it was a great place to be. Uh, oh, there was a lot that I learned there. It was not for me though. Um, and um, looking back on it now, it was like a pretty uh, challenging time in my life. Um, but yeah, that's how I ended up at Google. <laughs> Why was it challenging? I think um, more due to like personal reasons. Um, and partially the job itself wasn't really what I wanted to do. Like I wasn't, you know, motivated. Like, like the job itself was like running the like online marketing or like the Google you know, uh, AdWords marketing of like a portfolio of Swedish advertisers that I, I didn't really care about, uh, or like I didn't really, wasn't passionate about the work itself. And then, um, my personal life wasn't great either. My, my girlfriend at the time was still in Sweden. Um, so I think I was just like really lonely. Uh, and so I was like a little unhappy at work outside of work. I didn't really, yeah, wasn't really feeling that great. Um, and, um, yeah, so I think that was like the main challenge. It was like, I felt looking back on it now, I realized how I was just like, was never really living in the moment, just really just looking forward to, uh, you know, two weeks, my girlfriend's going to come to visit or I'm going to go visit her or, you know, next month that we're having like, there's a vacation or there's like something coming up. So it's always like looking forward to this next thing uh, rather than actually just being there and being like, okay, like I'm in this situation, what can I do about it? Um, and it wasn't until I guess I got to that point of like, no, I, I really don't like this job. Uh, and I want to do something else that I, um, I did. And then like I, I applied to begin a, a master's program in London. Um, you know, back to this original dream that I, I was going to work at a, uh, like I guess McKinsey or, or like BCG. Um, I applied for a one year master's at, uh, the LSE in London, um, with a program what I feel like specifically made for, for my career, what I wanted to do, uh, it was called management and strategy. Um, so I applied, I got in and, uh, and yeah, left Google and, and, and started, um, started at LSE instead. Nice. What was it like doing a master's having done a couple of years of work experience already? Because I always think, you know, I, I never did a master's and I don't think I will, or that I'll go back and do an MBA, but I'm always intrigued to be like, what must it be like to go back and become a student again for a year or two when you've been working for a little while? Was it an enjoyable experience? For me, it wasn't enjoyable. I feel like like coming across as like a really negative, like killjoy person. But uh, but for me, it was a um, it wasn't enjoyable because it was a super intense year. Um, it was. When I applied, I was, I was very excited about it only being uh, a one-year master's, kind of maybe you know, for this reason that you're kind of like hinting towards like that transition back to being a student. Um, you know, what would that be like? The one-year master, uh, which I think is something that be available in the UK, it be, made made everything a lot stranger because it, it just condensed everything, both the academic parts of it that you know, have to like back to studying and, and and so but it also meant that we had a career fair the third day of school um so before even like kind of beginning 
yeah, before even beginning, we're like, <laughs> you're like, okay, what are you doing next year? Uh, so I, honestly, looking back on it, I think I spent, um, I flew back to Sweden because I was interviewing for jobs in Sweden, um, maybe six, seven, eight times in the fall, uh, just for interviews. So I, looking back on it, I, I feel like I never really had a chance to get into anything. Like there was not enough time to, to actually have any of the benefits of being a student and like, in, like actually learning and just for like kind of like the sake of learning, uh, getting to know my classmates. Everyone was busy, uh, kind of interviewing and like thinking about next year. Uh, and everyone was like living in that mindset as well, which is like, I'm leaving very soon. Um, so, which I, I think is like kind of tragic. I, I imagine it'll be different, I suppose, if you do like a, a two-year master's um, where you actually have a little bit more time of like, okay, I'm just going to use this time to, I'm going to enjoy it or I'm going to like network and get to know like everyone here a lot better. I felt that there wasn't really time for that. Um, and then of course, like moving from like, I guess like having a salary and then uh, becoming a student and not having a salary and then living in like a really expensive city. That was a little challenging as well. Um, but I found that you kind of adapt to that rule quite quickly, both having a salary and not having a salary. Uh, you're like your spending habits um, quickly match. Um, yeah, they even out, which I, I mean, naturally they have to, but, uh, but you kind of get used to it as well. Okay. Hold up one second. I'm sorry to have to interrupt this episode, but I do want to remind you that if you want more content on how to find a job and a life that you love, you can find it on our socials. So on Instagram, go to Two Roads Pod, and on LinkedIn, just find my personal account called Steve Duke. And of course, these podcasts I release weekly where I interview people and that's extremely helpful for people to get inspiration and hear other people's stories and what how they did it and what they're going through. But I also release a ton of other content as well to help you both figure out what it is that you want to do and also how to then make that actually happen. So LinkedIn and Instagram at LinkedIn, Steve Duke, just my name. And then on Instagram, you can find us at two roads pod. And so after your master's at LSE, then is this when you go into investment banking for the first time or well, the only time? This is when I go into investment banking. And um, <laughs> again, like it's like hoping to go into like consultancy again. I don't really know why, but that was kind of like the, the impression that me and my, like my friends had when I was in university already back in like uh, in Gothenburg that, you know, if you're going to, the, the, the cool jobs or what you're supposed to do if you want to do anything in business is either to work in, in like investment banking or to work at like management consulting. Um, and I had started university in, in Gothenburg, like just around this, the start of the financial crisis. So at that time, like I guess investment banks were like definitely not uh, or quite out of favor. So even more focus on uh, management consulting. Uh, but yeah, that never really came to be. When I was uh, applying for jobs from from LSE, um, yeah, which never really got any offers from any of the the, the, the firms that I was like hoping for. And then, um, very similar to my experience with Google, like this random opportunity um, showed up. Also, starting with an internship, I had applied for for an, an internship at a Swedish investment bank called Carnegie, and um, 
I I applied because they had a university in the U in the UK. They have like really long Easter breaks, and then followed by I think like a like a one month reading uh, term ahead of your your exams. And um, yeah, so I basically had like nine weeks where I had nothing to do. Well, I, I guess I was supposed to study, uh, but I didn't. I didn't really know what I wanted. Like, I, I guess I didn't want to be in London because I didn't really have enough money to be in London. And my girlfriend was in Sweden. So I was like, okay, I'll just I, like this investment bank seems to have an internship that lines up perfectly uh, with this break. So I'll apply to that. And only that, like they had other like periods as well that I could have applied to, but I, I wasn't interested in those because I wasn't going to work in an investment bank. And then uh, I didn't get the internship. Like, they they called me and they're like thanks for the interview but you know we'll pass and then i guess whoever got it like ended up saying no uh, a couple of weeks later because then they called me and that's actually are you still available and yeah i, I mean i had nothing else to do so it's like yeah sure um and um i loved it like i started i started this internship and um within um just like a like a, a week, I was really enjoying it. Um, and um, with like halfway through, I was offered a, a like a full time position to begin after when I finished my my studies at the LSE. So um, I was overjoyed. I was like really, um, really happy with like the work and the colleagues and like feeling for the first time in like a lot long for many years like really. Um, I guess like that I'd find something that I really wanted to do and that I enjoyed and that I was also very good at. Um, looking back on it, I guess I mean, we might be jumping ahead, but I, I guess like the short summary is like I worked in investment banking for, for five and a half years. And it was like, as you can imagine, it's like a very intense job. Um, we, I was very lucky in the way that I started right when um, the Swedish like IPO market was like just, exploded um so the bank that i was working at we like we they've never been busier and each year is just more and more busy and and we were doing like we got mandated for a lot of fascinating really interesting projects uh mostly around uh and like ipos of different companies and in, in multiple different sectors um so i think in total in the five and a half years that i was there i think i completed seven or eight ipos um which these are pretty big projects pretty like pretty intense pretty um um demanding uh projects but i guess what's interesting is like i found or yeah no that's like i i feel like i really did enjoy it and then i burnt out quite unexpectedly um and that real that burnout has really shifted my understanding of um of working at the investment bank and like how actually um, I, on the one hand I did enjoy it, but mostly I did enjoy it because it was kind of like covering up for a bunch of um, like, I guess, unhappiness that I carried with me um, for a long time. Um, this idea of like, actually like, is this fulfilling or not? Uh, what I struggled with when I started, or I guess, Oh, this is a little jumbled, but uh, I think looking back on it, I realized that working at investment bank was great because there's very left very little time to think about and worry about other things. Uh, there's like no time for worrying, and then the time that you do have, well, you're being paid ridiculous sums of money, 
And you're also getting a lot of like ego fulfillment, not only in money, but also in like, um, um, you know, can read about what the work that you're doing in the papers, you feel important. And then like your parents can read about that and they think you're doing like great things. Uh, when like now looking back on it, I think I have a very different opinion of like the work that I was doing. Mm. And there's a couple of different threads that I want to pull on there, but some people might be listening to this and be interested in investment banking, like as a career, you know, maybe they're in university or they're in a master's or they're considering moving. What is the actual work like of an investment banker? It's quite interesting. Um, it's um, if you, I like, it's very varied. Um, maybe more so than you can imagine. Um, it's definitely demanding, um, but the, what you basically you work as a consultant for usually a company that is either being sold or you're trying to buy, help an investor buy a company but say the case that you're selling a company the investor the investment banker's role is to to be there for this company and to to support the entire process um so we you know we help um from like what that requires of a junior banker is actually the production of a shitload of different material, mostly like different like sales material, like, you know, how, like, a, like, how are we going to sell this company? Like, so you get to spend a lot of time with the company itself, but also like experts to kind of understand like, well, what is, what, what is attractive about this industry? What is attractive about this company? Uh, and you get to like, that requires quite like a lot of like, research and analysis um and then it also requires a lot of actually like documentation so i guess what i enjoyed about it was that it was very varied both in terms of you're working with like um different companies in different industries so you're learning a lot about about new new markets new industries uh but also in terms of the work itself like you'll spend a lot of time actually just doing research understanding like what does you know, how to, what does like the Swedish banking system look like? It? Uh, and like, what are like the different like sectors in, in it? And like, you know, how's this going to develop over time? Um, and there's a lot of like, like analytical, like Excel, like modeling, like what is like, what are the drivers of this company? Like, how will this, how do they make money? How will they be like, making money in five, 10 years? Um, and then it's also very social. Like you, uh, the investment bankers, in most projects that we work, we work together with the company's auditors. Uh, the company, the company typically has um, lawyers involved in this process. They maybe have like a PR and like communications firm helping them through the process. They'll probably definitely have some like strategy consultants. Um, and the role of the investment bankers to kind of like run the show and run the program so it's like very social the way that you get to meet like a huge network of people in like all these different industries um and i thought that was like a lot of fun it's like a lot of junior people in in your age as well um so yeah, you get to know them and and um and that's fun and then you you do your traveling and um you like writing um you'll be probably spending a lot of time like actually just writing like descriptions uh or like material about the company making presentations um so it, it's like super varied um so that i can, now i feel like there's like all the the great things about the role itself and i'd say like if you want um i mean it's like a very it's demanding but it's also i think 
and enjoyable in, in small doses. <laughs> and you get paid well, right? And you, yeah, you definitely get paid well. Um, like I'd say ridiculously well, uh, for sure. What, what, like what's like, I actually am not even sure. I know that it's a lot, but what are typical like salaries for somebody who's working in investment banking? First, I don't know, like, I guess like the UK equivalents, I, I can talk a little bit more about for, for Sweden, but it's also, I think the main thing is that you like, you can expect like a pretty sizable bonus. Um, so whatever is like your, your monthly salary, which to begin with will be relatively high, um, out of kind of like the jobs that, that are available. If you have like maybe a background in, in business or finance or strategy or whatever it is. Um, but then I guess you also have a, a, um, a very sizable bonus um that can be like you know a a multiple of your annual salary uh and then on top of that it can also um i think you're like your salary tra- trajectory uh is very positive it's like it's, it's quite high um so you can expect like pretty significant annual raises yes yeah that makes sense um i want to get back to talking about burnout and you're saying that you know it, you enjoyed this job for a very long time and you probably didn't have time to do a whole lot of thinking, um, which I can very much understand from my own time at McKinsey, but what actually happened when you burnt out? Yeah, I think I, I burnout, is, it's, it's strange because burnout was like a word that I of course knew about, um, like it's or like a concept that I was very well aware of, but I just never really, I guess you never really think it can happen to you. Uh, and I guess what, and I, and I, I would like to begin by emphasizing like burnout is going to be different for everyone. Uh, you know, some, and it's going to affect people, uh, in different ways. For me, it showed up in a way. I think I started like kind of like self-destructive behavior and for, for me, it showed up in, 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 in my relationships and then specifically, um, I guess I started being, I changed as a person. Now looking back on it, I can see like how uh, looking back on like the fall of 2017, how I had become like a, quite an angry person uh, and very irritated and like just not, I think the person like I I am. Um, I think like most like I come into a room. And I think most people are like. I feel like I bring energy uh, when I think that fall before my burnout, it was the opposite. I came in and I was just like in a deeply unhappy, like a bad place, but I didn't know I'd burn. Like I didn't realize I'd burnt out until I was actually sitting face to face to a therapist for the first time and talking to, to her and sharing how miserable I was at work. And how miserable I actually was and like how, how angry I was at myself for being at, you know, staying at this job that was making me unhappy um, and um, making me so upset and, 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 and not, I guess, from, from, and me feeling so powerless about myself, if that makes any sense. Um, I had, um, I was in a relationship and it was like, one that I cared deeply about, but I was like, I kept like, it was breaking up. We were breaking up and it was like, I was kind of, I felt like I was ruining something that had a lot of potential and that 
you know, I'm now married to this person. So I was like, it definitely had a lot of potential. And I, I, I'm, you know, I'm very thankful every day that she had patience with me and that I didn't like ruin this. Um, and yeah, I, I knew I was just like, I didn't I recognize myself. So I, I reached out and I, I set up my first, um, conversation with, or like tried my first session with a therapist. I thought specifically that we were going to be talking about the relationship that I had with my, with my, with my partner. And, um, yeah, it was, it was just work. Like I was just so unhappy with specifically with myself. Like it wasn't really about work. Um, looking back on it now, like the last, like the year uh, at the investment, the last year at the investment bank, the last few years at the investment banks, I was like a lot more senior. I was like, I think I was working a lot fewer hours than before. Like there was a lot of time for, um, like it, it was definitely not the most demanding time at the, at the bank, but I was just so unhappy because I was just still there when I knew that I wanted to do something else, but I guess I didn't know what. So was it, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand this. Was it like work was causing this unhappiness in yourself that was then kind of manifesting itself as burnout or was it actually just stuff that was happening with you personally and work wasn't really the problem, but you know, maybe you looked at it like it was. It, I think, I guess the way I make sense of it now, looking back and um, like even, yeah, like when I began working at the investment bank, again, like the goal was never really to work in an investment bank, but I kind of just like randomly happened upon it. And like with Google, it just felt like, oh, this is like, I should probably do this. This is like the right thing to do. Uh, but so I was like, I'll give it a year. And then I gave it a year and it's like, oh, that went quickly. And then I'll give it another one. I'll give it a third. And then like, I knew that I wanted to do something else, but I never bothered to stop and figure out what that was. Uh, and I think that kind of just built this, like just going in autopilot, just moving forward, just doing, I think what I was supposed to be doing would, what seemed like, you know, right in that moment to be the right thing. Um, I just continued, but I knew there was something growing inside of me that was like, no, you want change. Um, so originally that maybe the disappointment might've been with work, but like work was, like, the work was what I'd signed up for. Like I, I knew what this was and like, it hadn't changed. It hadn't become worse. If anything it had gotten better, I was working fewer hours. I had more like responsibilities. I didn't have to like stay, like, you know, spend every evening at, at work. Um, but I was still not tackling like the unhappiness, which was like within myself, which was like a growing want for change. So the disappointments just be, instead of aiming that disappointment at like, Oh, I at work or something, it just started a direct director towards myself and being like, I was unhappy with myself. And I think started becoming very critical of myself. Um, which of course is like a very uncomfortable position. So I think then I def like reacted by just becoming an asshole, uh, becoming an asshole to my colleagues and becoming an asshole to probably to my like to my partner and just generally. Um, so I think, yeah, that's how, how burnout like showed itself for me. Um, and um, just that moment, just talking to my therapist, to the therapist and just like, just realizing like, Oh, I can, I can change. <laughs> like, I don't have to stay in this job. Uh, and I quit. It's like, that was the most liberating feeling I've ever had. Uh, just 
walked in to my boss and said, like, I'm, you know, I, it was a conversation that I'd been like, you know, terrified of, like, I found like super scary. It's like, what, what's he going to say? And what are other people going to say when they find out that I don't have a new job lined up? And is I told my boss, I, I'm, I'm quitting. He's like, okay, I'm really sorry to hear that. If you want to start working here again, you're more than welcome. So I was like, there's no loss. And when I told my colleagues or told my friends, like I quit. Um, and they're like, what are you going to do? Like, oh, I don't know. They're like, oh, wow. That's, that's really cool and like very brave of you and it was like envy envy and um, and like i think that was like those two moments like my boss saying oh you're like welcome back whenever it's like okay so like this is no risk like what the hell i'm like um what why haven't i done this before and then with my with my colleagues just like i i, get, I think you build up this thing of, like oh you have to you have to present yourself like you know what you're doing and like i know that's like i thought that was important um but it really i don't know i don't think anyone has really an idea of what they're doing and it's a lot be a lot more comfortable with, like we're just a lot more open with like i like i'm just like doing my best and trying this and if it doesn't work i'll try something else and and like let's support each other through this it'll be a lot more powerful yeah so i, I told my my colleagues and they're just like wow cool and like the, yeah their faces of jealousy was like i felt bad for them i was like well you can also do it like we can all quit <laughs> like we should we should all quit by the way <laughs> That's, maybe your boss wouldn't have been so supportive then if everybody on the team quit but <laughs> no I, I definitely not <laughs> no. but it's okay that was that first <laughs> i think it's such a great point right because a lot of people and, and I understand why, but a lot of people will sit around until they have landed a new job or they know exactly what it is that they want to do next before they go and quit their old job. And I understand why that happens, but sometimes you just need to get out either because you're burnt out or you're really just not enjoying it. Or if you have a boss, you hate, like sometimes it can be so bad that you just need to get out, even if you don't have a plan. And I think the second thing is that it can be quite hard to figure out what you want to do next when you're in a job, especially if it's taking up a lot of your time because you need time and you need headspace, especially if you're going to be trying to make a big change or if you have, if you really don't know what it is next that you want to do. But leaving without that plan is difficult for yourself because you're going to have to deal with all that uncertainty, but also a lot of the time you think it's not nice to tell other people that you're going to leave and you don't know what you want to do next. I struggle with that a little bit, even, you know, over the last few months, people are like, oh, so what are you going to do next? I'm like, I honestly don't know, right? But it doesn't feel good to say that to people. I Like, I can feel myself craving for an answer, like craving some sort of certainty. But I know that, like, sitting in the space of, like, figuring it out is actually 100% the right thing to do because you need to take time and not just jump into the next thing because it's very it's a very worthwhile exercise to take time to figure out what it is that you want to do. So I'm interested to know what was that phase like for you? You've left the job, you've quit, you're now, you know, free, you've got all this time. Um, what did you do next? I traveled. Um, so my, my, my partner and then partner and our wife, um we yeah we traveled through south america for for two months which is incredible um and we we're like yeah, just t like spending time together and like seeing new things which is 
an amazing experience. And then we decided to move to to London. I was um, we we're living in Stockholm at the time, but felt like it was time for a change. Um, London, <laughs> I guess London wasn't really either of our like we. It felt like a, a great place to go. It felt like maybe not a great place, but like a natural place. It felt like, oh, we can have friends and family here. Um, I felt like, oh, I'll probably be able to like get a job here. Um, obviously, I hadn't traveled enough because I thought like, oh, I'll just like start like somewhere in like the, like, and London had like a booming fintech or has like a, a booming fintech market. Um, so I like, I, I imagine I could probably get like a good job there uh, using like my, my, my past experiences. Um, yeah, so that's what we did. We moved here. I started applying for jobs and very quickly realized, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> like, I am just, I haven't really spent enough time figuring out, like, what do I really want to do? Like, why, why did I leave an investment bank where I was like, had a great salary and a great position to go straight into like creating the next like credit card, like, or like mobile payments app? Like, I, I have no passion for that. And um, I I don't really know what the, these roles are that I'm applying for. And um, and like the culture, like it doesn't really seem to be that much better than than like where I'm coming from. It's like, why am I hurrying in? Um, so through that, like, I had this idea that I'll just work at a startup because I think that would be, that'd be, that'd be interesting. That'd be good. And that'd be like, I had like that varied um work which is something that i was interested in um but through that experience of like these different like interviews and uh and and, and companies that i was meeting i, I guess I, I got to meet a lot of different entrepreneurs and founders and i was spending time in like, like different like startup spaces and cafes and i was a very um just like i guess impressed and very like inspired by by this energy of the people there who were like creating things uh and like had this drive like you know they're gonna uh found you know found a shoe company or um you know whatever it was, it was like uh um yeah so uh, I guess I was just like thinking more and more about that and realizing like, well, like, I don't have to hurry in to, like the next thing like, immediately. Like I have, like I'm in a super privileged position where I have like, like the financial resources, resources to, to take a break. And like, actually like I'd managed to save uh, a bit of money. Like in, when I was working at the bank, so I was like, I can spend six months trying to figure out like what I actually wanted to do. And then, uh, and, meeting these different entrepreneurs i got inspired and feeling like well, actually like there's some there's an area that i'm like quite passionate about and like that i feel like i could probably do something and that area is working around mental health and for me it was like very specifically around feelings i found that feelings was something that i'd obviously heard about before um uh, but it took my therap therapist like who's like you know super qualified person who'd like, you know, gone to university and studied psychology in five, five years and worked for 20 years. And she has to give me like the ABCs of feelings, which just sounds like pretty embarrassing. It's like, I just never really understood or like I completely, I don't know. I thought when I was growing up that you're supposed to be like a very rational person and the feelings were feminine. And for some reason that that means that they're bad for me. Um, so that experience of realizing actually like how, how important feelings are for us and like how they're like a source of information from our body that they're that they tell you what 
we think and feel about things and that instead of being like um uh, useless that they're actually a critical part of living uh and like i realizing i guess how much i like ignored my own feelings and the old like signals that i was getting from my body about about the work that i was doing um so i became very passionate about feelings and particularly helping people better communicate their feelings i always struggled with my emotional vocabulary was basically two feelings which were good or actually one feeling was good or not good and good turns out to not be a feeling uh but actually the more specific that you can get to like communicate what you're feeling if you can go from like oh, i'm feeling uh instead of saying i'm feeling good you can feel like oh, i'm feeling like excited or inspired or like i'm feeling momentum like that communicates so much more than just saying good and if i say i'm feeling momentum in my career i imagine see like you'll understand a lot more like what i'm talking about but if i just say good like you'll have no idea like that can mean that's great i guess good but why and then in particular if you guess you're feeling something unpleasant like um you're feeling you know unseen or unheard like that's a lot more useful both for me and and for you as my like my friend who's like supporting me um so yeah, I, I knew I wanted to do something there and like I gave it six months to kind of explore. I'm, I'm really interested in this. And before I dive into what it was like actually finding that company, I want to know, are there any other tips that you have for people to better express or communicate their feelings? Because I feel like you've opened up a whole kind of worms now that I'm very interested in. Tips like in terms of like what to do with your feelings or uh, like actually like how to, um, you know, what to like how to communicate. But that's a big, that's a big area. Well, I guess. Okay. So, 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 so maybe, maybe let me rephrase that question. It is, it is huge. Right. So, because I've, I think I've been on a relatively similar journey to you and I actually discussed a little bit about this on, episode 12 of the show with Brian Morlett, where I talked about the fact that when I first started going to therapy and she would ask me, how would I feel? I would just give her the rational answer for how I thought I should feel at that point. Right. So I didn't understand this whole concept of like, no, no, like feelings are different to thoughts, like feelings exist in your body and you can tune into them. And, and also they're valuable, like you say. So I've been on that journey and I've had a few epiphanies. So I guess maybe to rephrase my question is like, if you think of the Marcus from before who had, you know, two feelings of good and not good to the Marcus of today. And one insight might be that there's lots of other ways to describe feelings. And that when you do that, it's very helpful for yourself and the people that, you know, you have relationships with to understand you. What are some other epiphanies or learnings that you would have had over those years that have been the most impactful yeah okay that's a okay thanks for rephrasing i think the one of the biggest things another epiphany that i've had <clears throat> i guess there are two then the first one is just because you know you share your feelings with someone doesn't mean you know rarely means that you want someone to like troubleshoot them for you you know like if you're feeling uh, uh you know if you, you know you go to your family like, i'm feeling like misunderstood you know that you don't want them to be like okay what were you trying to say? Who are you trying to communicate it? Like, how are we going to communicate it like differently so they understand it? Like that going directly into trouble, like problem solving mode, which I guess was my way of operating. Uh, and also my way of expecting other people to operate with feelings um, is 
isn't necessarily isn't helpful. <laughs> it's not. It's. I think it can get helpful eventually. But firstly, just appreciating that someone has come to you uh, and and sharing something intimate and like actually just making space to sit with that feeling and being like, okay, trying to like, oh, what is, you know, if you can, if, if so, if you share, if you someone shares that they're feeling misunderstood, like you, you probably have that experiences of, well, you know how difficult that is. And maybe just like being there with that person is supporting them. And if you don't know how, maybe just asking them like, oh, how can I support you at this moment? But you probably already know, like if you just relax and like kind of like, I don't know, slow down your brain instead of thinking too much and just being like, okay, this, this person's like feeling misunderstood. That's really difficult. Um, just acknowledging that. That's like the first epiphany um that i that i really had which is like just like what do you do with feelings so the first one that i shared initially was like actually it's important to communicate feelings uh, clearly and then secondly it doesn't mean you have to trouble like problem solve them and then the last one um i guess maybe it's related to the first one but it's like i think i had a tendency of believing that there was like the right i guess my that there's only like a limited capacity in other people for your feelings or just if that makes sense like you know like oh, okay i don't want to share them because i don't want to be a bird you know if i if i say that i'm feeling you know if i'm feeling down then that means i'm going to like bring everyone down and I, I don't want to be a downer it's like actually it's like that's not really I, my experience has been the opposite actually like by opening up and preparing to take the first step and sharing like well, I'm feeling down. Um, hopefully, you can, if you can communicate a little bit more clearly, that, that'll be good. Uh, but if you can't, that's fine too. Because there you go. I'm feeling down. I'm feeling misunderstood. Um, that allows the other person to support you, which is good. But also allows the other person to to open up to you too. So, like, you're signaling to this person, like, "Hey, I trust you to hold like my intimate feelings." And you're implicitly saying to this person, like, I'm here for you as well. And like, I think that's like been like the biggest change that, that I've realized. And like, I think that's like one thing that I still, still learning and that I hope more people can, can learn. It's like, like sharing feelings is like just part of being humans. And like, it's like the good parts of being a human. It's like, this is like, uh, we have to be there for each other. And it's like, it's hard to be there for each other. If we're all like just always in our head and like talking about, I don't know, talking shit. Uh, or, you know, it's like we're actually getting into like real things um, and, and being able to support each other. It's such a fantastic insight because I'm thinking about if, you know, if I'm with one of my friends and every single time he asks me how I'm doing and I only ever say good or great, if, if he's not feeling good one day and I ask him how he is, it's going to be difficult for him to tell me that he's not feeling good, Right. If the only response he has ever heard from me during our entire relationship is that we're good, right? That, that, that's the default answer that we give each other. Yeah, we're good. We're fine. We're grand. Um, it's going to be different. And and I've had the same experience. It's always interesting. The second you show that bit of vulnerability, the second you say, actually, do you know what? I'm, I'm not good today. I'm, I know. And I should probably be better at defining that. But um, the second you show that bit of vulnerability, the second like almost instantly, like it opens up this new door in the relationship where now you can have much better conversations and you can be there for each other. And that's really nice. It's really nice. I think it's really nice to be, it's a really nice feeling to be there for somebody else when they need it. And it's a really nice feeling to have somebody be there for you 
when you need it. Um, I love those tips. They're, they're really, really great insights. Yeah. It's also kind of like lowering the expectations that we have from each other. Like, you know, if you're always saying like, oh, I'm like good or I'm great, like we are the friend, you're like, fuck, there's no, no space for anything else. So like, is, is Steve always feeling that good? And you can either feel like, oh, he, maybe he's not being like truthful with me. And then like, is that um, like, you know, does he value my friendship? Like, or, you know, is it, um, and like, or he's like always good to great, good or great. And that's like really stressful. It's like, why am I not like that? Uh, if we can just like normalize that we all have like pretty shitty, like we can have bad days and we can have like bad weeks and months and but like we'll still be there for each other like and and just because we're having a bad day doesn't mean we can't be there for each other as well um i think yeah just normalizing that we're all we you know that we hold a like wide variety of feelings and we can have we can hold them at the same time we can have like pleasant feelings and unpleasant feelings at the same time as well and i think that's another um maybe another epiphany it's like that i i felt like i had to summarize everything that's going on for me in one word, which is, I guess, why we end up with fine <laughs> or good or not good. But actually, you can say like, well, you know, these are the things that I, I'm feeling, you know, you know, excited to be on this podcast, but I'm also feeling like super nervous about like uh, some other things that are going on in my life. And like, it's a lot more interesting if people are just like communicate more clearly and openly. Uh, we can like actually start getting to know each other. Yes, yes, it's very true. It's very true. I think we could probably have a whole podcast talking about this topic, but I do want to hear about um, kind of the, I want to hear about what it was like starting this company, right? So you're in London, you decide you want to build this this company. Um, how do you kind of summarize that journey of building that company and what that was like for you? <sighs> So as <laughs> the first word that came to my mind, it was awful, <laughs> uh, but it, that's not true either. Like it was, uh, um, what was awful was like when I, I started out, I said, I started, um, and I, I mean, I was new in London. I was new to startups. I was new to mental health. So I was like, just, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, so the first couple of months I tried, um, um, I had this idea. I was going to be feel. Like, I had this. I was going to help people communicate their feelings by helping them find the right words for them, and that this would be an app. And I had no idea about apps uh, or like the, you know the technical size of apps. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have to find um, uh, someone who can develop this, and I'm going to find like a, a therapist. And what my role is in this whole thing, I don't really know. But we're like the three of us. We're gonna we're gonna start this company together. Um, and that failed miserably. <laughs> I failed miserably because I had no idea what I was doing. And like, I remember at the time being like, oh, I, every time someone asked me, it's like, oh, what are you doing? I remember just trying, like wanting to like disappear because I felt so um, unsure about myself. And I, I just felt it was so much easier when I was like, oh, I worked in an investment bank. And then everyone was like, okay, they kind of know what that is. And they, and then that's it. Uh, but no, it's like, no, I'm like, oh, I'm developing this app. It's about feelings and I don't really know much about feelings and I don't definitely know anything about apps. Um, so it was very challenging at, uh, to begin with. Um, but I was very lucky. I had like a very close friend who was more experienced, like, like, like a successful entrepreneur. Who, so he helped me put me in contact with um, like a designer and he put me in contact with a developer and we started like moving forward. Another, I guess, incredible thing that happened was just like 
discovering how friendly and helpful and supportive people were if you just reach out to them and ask for some time. Um, like I, I started reaching out to, to my network, trying to get more con to see if I can get like connections with, um, th with therapists or psychologists to get more, I guess, support and for the work that I was doing. Uh, and it was incredible how, like, I guess the realization of like, if you ask people for help or if you, if people know how to help you, they're a lot more likely to actually help you. So like putting out like, this is what I'm looking for. And people will like respond to that. Um, so yeah, that is working on Filmo. As I said before, like I said, I'll give it six months. And if I haven't made enough progress, then I'll apply for another jobs as well. And I'll probably, I'll have a lot more experience because I've, tried it for six months so like i actually know what a product manager does now which i didn't know the first interview i went to um and um yeah so the six months came and and and, and went super fast and it's like oh no like it doesn't feel right to to end this yet i'll give it another six months um and uh, and that's basically how it went for 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 nearly four years um until yeah around this time or slightly earlier last year when I rounded Filmo down and, and, and I had to close it sadly. What was it like to make that decision at the end of four years? It was, I think um, it was disappointing having to like let the team know that, you know, this, this project that we'd worked so hard on uh, to, to, to achieve um, that it was time to kind of, to end it um and um at the same time the biggest feeling that i i do remember is like after having like had all these difficult conversations with with the people i was working with was a kind of a sense of relief that i was able to do something else that i didn't have to continue um yeah pushing up this like this rock or whatever because i guess I found like being a founder extremely difficult. I was doing it alone and feeling constantly that I was overwhelmed and like, I didn't really know what I was doing, how I was supposed to be doing this. You know, a lot of this was also through the pandemic, uh, which was good for like, I think the mental health industry, um, which sounds horrible, but yeah. Uh, but there was also, it was very difficult, you know, for, for hosts of all these for reasons that, that people can probably understand. Um, but it was just, yeah, it was nice to be able to, to, to do something else. With that said, I feel almost still around. I'm interested when you were talking about, say, when you were investment banking, right? And you had this kind of deep feeling that you wanted to change, right? That this wasn't the job that you wanted to do. And that's what it led to a lot of the kind of self-criticism and ultimately the burnout. When you were working on Filmo, had you scratched that itch? Did you, even though it was a very, very difficult thing and there's a lot of stress and a huge amount of pressure, which I'm sure was uncomfortable, did you feel like you had scratched that itch? That, or were you still thinking, no, this isn't it. There's still something in me that's looking for something else that wants to change, that wants to go and have a different job or, or work on something else entirely? It was obviously very different. Um, there wasn't like it was because this was my own project. I was running this, uh, and I felt you know every day was definitely a challenge, but it was also incredible. Like um, you know that we managed to put out uh, like an app. We had like 
you know, over like 50,000 downloads and we're like getting like good reviews. Uh, and it felt like very, like what I was doing felt very meaningful and very exciting. So I, I know I never, I don't remember feeling like, oh no, like this isn't what I want to be doing. Sure. There were many times I was like, why do I have to like, when I was like cold emailing, you know, this investor for like the 10th time being like, Hey, like just checking in, you know, like I felt like I hate this. <laughs> it's like, uh, there were a lot of parts of it that I really found um, not enjoyable. And that I also felt that I was like, actually, I'm not good at this. Um, so I guess the short answer to you is like, no, I felt like I was doing the right thing. But I also knew that, I guess, in the the organization, the way I was working was wrong. Like I knew this wasn't, um, I guess I, I, I felt like this is, I'm like out of my, out of my depth, which I imagine is like a very normal feeling for founders. Cause that's like, you're always, you're always going to be out of your depth. But I think that the reason relief was like the main feeling I had after I, I told the team that, you know, Filmo is no more was because I was like, Oh, finally, like I can breathe and I don't have to like, you know, having to be all optimistic and positive to the team about like, yeah, we can do it. Like we're going to, we're going to like change like student mental health. And then also realizing we're running out of money and like, how the hell are we going to get more money in like two months? Um, like sitting with those two like different feelings at the same time was very difficult uh, for me uh, and, and, and doing it all alone. That's interesting because it's almost, um, in some ways, it may be the opposite to when you were working in investment banking. Because when you were working in investment banking, you were very good at your job. You knew what you were doing and you developed like that skill set. But there was something about the core of what you were doing that made you say, this isn't really my purpose or what I want to pursue long term. But then with Filmo, perhaps it was the opposite. You were like, no, no, this is a great purpose. I really enjoy working for this, for what it is at its core. But the day to day is super hard because like, I've never done this before and I don't necessarily enjoy all of the tasks. And it's kind of made me realize that you probably need both or at least, you know, some level of um, satisfaction in both of those to be really enjoying what it is uh, that you do. And it's, you know, a lot of the times people focus on the passion side, like, oh, you have to do what you're passionate about. And, and I do believe that, but like, doing what you're passionate about when every day is an absolute pain because you've no idea what you're doing and it's just torture, that probably doesn't lead to a happy outcome either. Yeah, no, I, I think that's very well put. <laughs> like it can't just be driven by passion. Like like maybe I needed like a better support network, but actually I think like, I wasn't cut out to do, like maybe I could have learned it, but it's like, no, I, I, um, I think our goal of like trying to like change, like make mental health available to all students. Like that was difficult to do in a startup format where you're like telling investors, like we're going to make all like, you know, we're going to make this billion dollar company. And where you're like, like on the one hand, I want to make mental health available to more. So it's like making money isn't the main goal, but to investors, you have to like, there's like another story. And it's like, how do you get these things to match? So I was like, yeah, maybe yeah, you can, you can be, focused on your passion but it, like it, it, it the structure wasn't working and i didn't have like a structure for myself it was like yeah the day-to-day -day was super difficult and i wasn't getting the support that i needed and i felt like actually the recognition that i needed like on like 
I just miss having a boss who could tell me you're doing a good job. <laughs> uh, you've kind of like, you've done enough today. Uh, or, hey, you're not doing a good job today. You have to do better. And then at least I'll know. Like, like I missed, it's just so difficult. It's so lonely um, being a founder and like not, no one's ever going to say good job. And like, you, if, you know, the one day you have, you get like that good review by that person or you get some funding or you get some recognition that lasts for like a second. And then there's all the other shit <laughs> that, yeah, that, that, that is the reality of running like an early stage startup that's so difficult to sit with alone. So like, I, yeah, I would definitely not do it. Um, I would definitely do it again, but I wouldn't do it alone. <laughs> yeah, because I think as well for, them, for the fan from working with founders is that if things are going well, the founder doesn't have to deal with that, right? The team has that. It's only the stuff that's going to shit that bubbles up to the founder. So their their plate is just constantly the biggest problems that are happening in the company. And when one of them gets solved, like another one pops up. I've, I frankly, I used to think I could be a founder. Now, uh, I, I definitely, I know I, it's just not for me, right? Um, and I think in general, I have so much respect for founders and I hope there are more of them in the world, but I also think it's important for people to really think, is this a lifestyle that you want to live? Because it's a very tough lifestyle and it makes me really respect the people who can, who can do it because it is, it is very, very, very hard. I'm interested to know then. So what, what are you up to now then? What are you doing like post Filmo? Yeah. So now I think as as Filmo kind of came to its close, and I was like thinking, I'm like, well, what is it I want to do? And I, I felt like it was actually the first time, even after like the startup or sorry, the investment banking that I was like, what do I actually want to do? And it was the first time I framed it differently to myself as like, how do I want to live? So it wasn't like what I want to do, like what is the job that I want? But it's like, what's important to me um, in my life? Like the coming, like, I guess I'm going to work for another like I don't know, 40 years. Um, um what's important to me and like i i guess realizing like the idea of going back and having like a boss who's going to like yell at me is like or you know who can put all these like structures on me and like demanding like that wasn't really what i wanted like i and i didn't, couldn't really see myself um i i'd really i i, I loved the, the founder parts of, of what i was doing or like the flexibility of what i was doing like i get to i get to, i get to be the decider like when how i'm going to be working and like how how this ship is going to be run like I, I yeah i didn't like being a founder but I, I enjoyed like i guess like the flexibility of it um and i didn't enjoy like the fundraising parts of it or like the like a lot of like the business and finance parts of it or fundraising and uh but and i I liked working on their product, uh, but what I really liked was just talking to our users uh, and like being there for them and like hearing like how Filmo was working for them. So it's like putting all these things together. It's like I think I think it's I really care about supporting people. Like I think um, I think what I want to become is like a counselor or like a therapist. Um, so that's what I'm doing. Like I started my training last September. Uh, like first year almost like yeah, in my first year several years left uh, but it's found I think for the you asked before if I had like that itch that I was doing the wrong thing I feel more I didn't have that but I didn't have the feeling that I have now which is that I feel like I'm doing the right thing and like that this is actually not a job but it's like kind of like a calling it feels like this is this is what I'm meant to be doing 
Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I still have like a lot of training left to do. Um, but yeah, I should start seeing my first like clients in, in one year. And I'm very much looking forward to that. Oh, that's amazing. What does that process actually look like then? So you, is it what, three, four years of training? Are you like back at uni or like, how does that actually work? Yeah. So you, there, um, and I guess depending on where you are, that will be different. But in the UK, um, it's a, to, to practice as a, as a counselor, as a therapist that you don't necessarily need a university degree. You have to get a, a diploma or you have to be certified by one of them. There's several different like certifying bodies. Um, so where I'm currently at now is at a, like a counseling center that offers trainings that have been accredited by, um, by one of the, the main uh, accreditation bodies. It's a part-time training um, at the moment. It's just like uh, an evening a week. And then next year, it's going to be more intense. It'll be like one day a week. And alongside, um, eventually, you start doing like having your practice clients. You have to be, you have, you have to be in personal therapy, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like it kind of like ramps up like the, the, the yeah, the, the time requirement of you. But um, I will actually be beginning starting at a university next next year. So where you can get both uh, kind of like the the diploma, the accreditation of, um, so you can practice as a therapist, but you can also get a master's in, in psychotherapy. Um, and what I found like, I guess I was partly put off this idea of going back to school again, uh, was kind of daunting, but what I've, I guess the more I I, like learned about the training is that it's not like going back and you like just reading books, like old, like, um, you know, old, like Freud books. There is definitely that you will be doing that, but it's actually, it's a very, um, personal training where the main thing is like preparing yourself to actually be able to sit there in a room and be there for someone else. So like having the theories, understanding the theories is super important, but actually it's like, are you as an individual ready to be there for someone else? Like, um, so while we, yeah, part of our, the time is spent reading and discussing papers and, 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 and readings, but we spend just so much time, you know, reflecting on ourselves um and um and developing ourselves um as we do as well actually just practicing like sitting there and like role-playing different like situations or or actually being like like a practice client to our like therapist like my call my classmate who's like a therapist so we'd like take turns actually just sitting there and um, yeah, yesterday, for example, we sat there and like we had like 20 minute sessions with each other. And uh, that's quite interesting. It's like where you're like, I guess we're like each other's guinea pigs. <laughs> uh, and I know I definitely felt uncomfortable about that in the beginning, but it's just like, uh, it's also a great, it's, it's, it's a very enjoyable training uh, and, and education. It's so different from what I've done before. So I'd highly recommend that anyone who's interested in this to look into it because I think it's also, that's a very meaningful work and we need more therapists yeah 100 percent. so is this the, the goal now for you that you would work like full-time as a therapist once you're qualified i think so i mean i am as you probably i'm just like very like a, i think a generalist by heart uh and i think in terms of like never really like i felt like i focused my career looking back i can see like there it seems like there's kind of like a red thread that's brought me to to where i'm at now um but yeah, I hope to to work um, as a therapist and as well as to, you know, potentially do some research or to do um, some 
you know, one thing that I'm very passionate about, or that like, several things that I'm very passionate about. One is like, how do we make uh, mental health available to more people? Which is, you know, something that I was trying to do with Filmo. It feels like there is a high demand for support and there aren't really enough therapists and we need a little bit more, like more scalable solutions than, you know, sitting in, you know, long-term therapy for everyone is going to be very difficult to attain. So like, how can we, how can we help more people get, get support? So that's an area that I'd like to, to explore more with more training, I suppose, than, than what I was doing with Filmo, as well as you know, research or writing. Um, yeah. I like, I guess another cool thing about being a therapist is like, it's also very flexible in both in terms of like how you work, uh, what type of clients you're, you're seeing, but also if you're doing individual or group or couples. Um, and, um, but yeah, you can really, I think it's really up to you how you want to do the work. Yeah. And you said that, you know, this feels more like a calling to you, right? And that, you've had to kind of follow this thread throughout your career to get to this point. Do you think that you had to just go through all of those experiences to be able to land where you are today? Or, you know, if you were to go back to, you know, Marcus, who's just coming out of college, is there anything that you could have said to him that could have perhaps led him to a situation where he realizes what it is that he wants to do quicker? Or do you think that that's just futile because you can't accelerate these things? You could have told him this, but he would have gotten done what he, what he was going to do anyway. I, I had this guy, like a friend of mine who was like a little older and like he had already graduated university a couple years older, like before me. And he's like, I remember he, he told me like, Marcus, just like relax and like enjoy university. And I remember being like really frustrated by him and feeling like it's easy for you to say, like you already have like a good job and all that. And you have that because you worked so hard. And it's like, and so I don't know what I would say that I could have been successful at like changing me. Like I was super narrow minded in terms of like how I saw like what career options were. Um, so I don't know what I would have said differently to me, like coming out of university, but I think I really wish I don't know what I would have said, but I wish there was something I could have said that would have kind of like expanded my horizons uh, or like my, what I saw as my options going into university uh, or maybe even younger. It's like this idea is like, why did I see, why did I think I was going to be a business person uh, when I was like 12 years old? Like that's super boring. (laughs) Um, um, Like not that I think everyone has to be following their, that you have to make your passion project, your career, but it's like, you know, I think refocusing is like, how do you want to live? And then your, cause your career or your job is just one part of living. Um, I think I put, I'd always put so much focus on like my career is like, that's the only thing that matters. Uh, and like, I, I, I kind of like, like, it was almost like I told my friends that and, and, and my partner when I was working at the investment bank is like, I have to focus on, my like the first years at the investment bank so I can like do a good job here and then now like in the future I'll be different and I'll be more available. But like that's that's kind of a like that's not how you're supposed to be living. Like, you know, you're only gonna be like in your twenties once. So it's like you have to like take advantage of that. So um I really I don't I wish someone had made that more clear to me that like lower the pressure on like finding the right job from, from day one. Like I think in university is like, I remember my friends and I would just be talking about like, 
you know, there are only like five employers and they're all like management consulting firms. Um, and if you don't, if you don't start working there, then you've basically failed. <laughs> uh, that's just crazy. Uh, that's just crazy, crazy, crazy thinking. And I don't know, like, I don't know how, like, how could I get so stuck up or like, how did I fool myself into thinking that really? If you think now that, you know, work is kind of one area, uh, just one area of what makes a life and what makes a life living. Do you have a way to think about the other areas of your life and kind of making sure that you have balance across those? So my wife uh, is, is pregnant and we're like expecting our first child to arrive in just a couple of weeks. So I, th- I think it's like the, the way I'm... Oh, amazing. Yeah, that's pretty... That's pretty um, I guess it's like... I, my I feel like my priorities have shifted in ways. Like I guess what's important to me is is, is being present uh, and like being like there to to see like to be there for my wife to support her through through the pregnancy, but also um, to be present when this child arrives and like is growing up. Like that's like a different priority. And like so, I don't know if I have like any specific structure in 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 mind that helps me, but it's just more like, like greater awareness. For what is that really matters, um, and I, I found that like, I guess also when I was working with field mode, like easy to get like stressed out and be, and then and letting that affect affect me outside of work. Um, and that was like looking back on it now. I, I mean, even in the moment, I, I remember feeling like, like it, I know it's impossible to separate feelings and like you know leave feelings at work, and like that's not something that that we should be expecting of each other, but but feeling a little, just seeing it as like, like maybe like a, a whole. Seeing that this is just one part of me that I, there is capacity to to feel the frustrations with work, but also be present at home, uh, and that um, just because you're frustrated doesn't mean that you can't be present at home in a different way. So, like, I guess, yeah, I don't know if I have like a structure, but just a different set of priorities and a different like an awareness of like what is that, what is it that's important to me. Mm. I've got two more questions before we finish up. Um, the first one is, I'm just very interested to know, how are you feeling about having a kid? Um, I feel super, yeah, super excited, super psyched. And like, I think it's something I've been um, ready for, for like several years and looking forward to. And it's like, I wish I could, you know, I guess considering like, what I used to do for film, like I feel like I should be better at like putting word, like words into to describing this, but I can't really. But there's just like it's an incredible thing that my like my my, my wife and I like we, like we made this and uh, this little girl, and now she's going to be joining us, and like it's like the responsibility that comes with that, but it's also like that the adventure that comes with that. So I'm just like very. I, I can't wait. Uh, I, I realizing that like, I guess my life is going to change significantly in just a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I, I can't wait. For my last question, if we were to, if we were to sit down say in five years time and have this conversation again, I bring you on for episode, you know, 516 of the podcast or something. And I ask you how things have been going. And uh, Marcus, you say, you know, the last five years, or you say, Stephen, the last five years, they've just been absolutely incredible. I've had the time of my life. What is it that you think would have happened across those five years? I mean, I, I'm like, I guess focus is mostly on like, on, on family that 
um, this little girl who's joining us that she's like doing well and is healthy and uh, the same with my wife. Maybe we, you know, we've had like, uh, you know, one or two more kids. Um, I think that's like the main priority. Uh, hopefully by then I've also fully qualified as my, as a, as a psychotherapist. So I'd be able to say that, you know, this, this calling that, that I felt when we spoke first, that it's still there. And it's actually like, you know, you're just feeling that I'm on the right track and, and also just enjoying their presence. I, th- I feel like kind of a lot, a lot of the time before, my experiences have been like kind of just like waiting for change or waiting for something else but now it's just actually kind of hoping you know the the time could like slow down so just so you can enjoy more um yeah mostly family related i really hope that all of that happens for you and i'm sure that it will and best of luck to you and your wife with uh, welcoming this new girl into the world it's uh, incredibly exciting marcus absolute pleasure thank you thank you so so much yeah, thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Your time now. I hope you enjoyed that conversation that I just had with Marcus. I had a blast because I love talking to people who are so self-aware and who are very open and comfortable being vulnerable talking about the challenges because a lot of times we see people's cv or their linkedin and we think that it's been smooth sailing and if you look at marcus's linkedin i mean this is what it looks like right he's got a master's from lse worked in google worked in investment banking founded his own company but when you hear him talk about these experiences you realize that of course this was not plain sailing and a lot of these times he was struggling or not happy or trying to do something else And there was a few things that I particularly took away from this conversation. The first was the threat of burnout and also how hard it can be to recognize. So he talks about burnout and how it actually made him essentially into a different person, which is not really how we think about or how I think about burnout. When I think about burnout, I think of, okay, some people just get super stressed and then they can't do their job anymore. And I'm sure that is some version of burnout, but also listening to Marcus, you realize that actually you can just cause you to start to behave in a different way and that that's something to watch out for and that you can fix it. That's the big thing that he said when he started going to therapy, he realized he could fix this. He didn't have to be this way in his relationships. He didn't have to be a negative person because that wasn't what he was naturally. And then once he was able to make that change and essentially quit his job, that all of those things went away. Another thing that I learned from this was that it can take time to find your calling. So Marcus, I'm not sure exactly what age he is, but he's certainly in his thirties. And it's only now that he's found his calling, which is that he wants to go and become a therapist. And that's what he's training to do. And he had to do a lot of different things to get there. And I think for people who haven't found their calling yet, including myself, it's a bit frustrating to know that you might have to wait like a long time to find what it is. But I think if you just accept that it can kind of give you patience because you're not like searching for it. Oh, I have to find it, you know, this year or this month or whatever else. Like, no, just keep moving towards it. And you can see with each of his steps, he moved a little bit closer to what it is that he wanted to do, learned a bit each time. And then eventually got to that point where he's like, no, I know this is what I want to do. Going alongside that, 
the third thing that I learned from this conversation was that to really get satisfaction from a job, you need to enjoy both the practical side of it and the overarching purpose of what you're doing. So we always think about, oh, I really want to do a job where I find meaning, where I have purpose in it. And I do think that's important. But if you've got a job where you get those things, but your day-to-day is really, really difficult, you don't enjoy it, you don't know what you're doing, it's extremely challenging, it's extremely stressful, that's probably not going to be a job that actually brings you satisfaction. So you need both to be able to enjoy a job. And then the fourth thing was that it's okay not to know what you want to do next. He quit his job without having any idea what it is that he wanted to do. And that's okay. It's uncomfortable when people ask you, oh, what are you doing next? You want to have a clear answer for them. But it's perfectly fine to just say, I don't know. I'm going to go and figure it out. I'm going to take some time. And that's what he did. He went traveling, took some time, moved to London, tried a few things out. And that's fine. So I think if you're going through that stage where you know what you're doing now isn't what you want to do, but you're not exactly sure what it is that you want to do next, it's okay to admit that. It's okay to say that to other people. And I've been in that position over the last six months. It's a bit difficult, but if we just practice it, it gets easier every time. So they were the few things I took away from the conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you took something away from it as well. If you want to get more of this content, you can follow me on socials. So on LinkedIn, just follow my personal account, which is Steve Duke. And then on Instagram, you can follow at two roads pod that's t-w-o two roads pod other than that i'll be back next week with the latest episode of the two roads podcast